So, using mindfulness of breathing, using any meditation theme, and I'm just referring to mindfulness of breathing because it's a standard, uh, excellent form of practice. You can keep going back to it for decades, you know, tuning into it, learning from it, seeing we're getting it wrong. Asks a lot from you. It's not easy seems so easy but it asks a lot and that's good but we have to take our time with that you know, finding the balance where the mind doesn't swing off lock up go off into heaven realms or less than heavenly realms you know, lose it all together go weird <laughs> think I'm a Arahant, whatever, then come back to ground again. So you realize just how wild the heart is. So when we come to practice in this place of the Buddha, we go to uh, keep our wits about us, realize this is a practice that is here presented in order to to generate, to firm up, and to bring to fruition the factors of awakening, of enlightenment, mindfulness, exploration of phenomena, how it is, energy, rapture, unification, equanimity, calm, calming, tranquility, Unification and equanimity, seven factors. So if it doesn't do that, then we've got to back off and check it out. We look at these factors, there's only really one or two you can deliberately do. The rest are kind of what happens. (laughs) So it's just to bear in mind you can't really concentrate, you can generate the factors that bring around unification, that bring things together. So, you know, unification of the heart comes from this heart culture of the Buddha, whereas uh, concentration comes from the brain culture of the West, and they're not the same thing. Naturally, we are focusing, naturally, we're tuning in. Naturally, what is also not just the kind of clamping, you know, simplistic determination onto onto an object, but that process, so it's mindfulness, exploration, you know, feeling the energy gather, arise, you know, holding energy carefully so that the sense of uplift does not blow you away and it's a generating of, of a positive effect and steadying it, steadying it, calming it, soothing it. So we're not just going giddy and spinning out into sundry phenomena, you know, unusual phenomena, lights and sounds and colors and impressions, you know. It's quite common for practitioners to spin out, to lose their frame of reference. It's not a personal failing. It's just this is what the heart does. 
Mm. Needs to be reined in, trained, gathered, collected, brought back, brought to heal, brought back. Mm. And soothed, steadied, made peaceful, trained. And it doesn't run away anymore, it becomes unified. And then this quality of solid equanimity, we really see things as they are, and a growing sense of dispassion towards things, towards phenomena, because phenomena can only be this much, can only be that which arises, passes, is not conclusive, it's not self, it's not something you can hold on to. So the sense of, well, so, so why make any more of it? That's, that's the quality of nibida, or disenchantment. It's like, why make any more of this? It's just like this. And that withdrawal that occurs, you know, like you, your teddy bear is no longer so interesting. It's not you hate it, it's just you've grown out of it. <laughs> so it's this kind of growing up, wise, wisening up to phenomena. And this is really how the descent, something called the descent to emptiness, the descent, the dropping into the deathless occurs through just because we let go, the let the heart lets go. Mm. This is what the jitta can, <coughs> will do or can do, but self is really an adequate vehicle for doing this. So self doesn't really let go, it just dumps things, dismisses things, doesn't really know letting go. Because it's really, uh, uh, you have to have something to let go into, to let things dissolve into. This is what the field of samadhi is about. It generates a field, a field effect of steadiness, of calm, of ease, of openness, and whatever arises can then be just allowed to release into that, into that field. Mm. Mm. This is how this is how letting go occurs. It doesn't, you know. I mean, depending what you're letting go of, some things you don't need that powerful a field. You know, you can feel a sense of you're gripping, holding on to an item of food or a piece of this, that, and the other, and just widen into well, so what? You know, is this really that important? And you, you know, you come to your senses. And, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and then you can really see. I'm not interested in that, I'd sooner be present, I'd sooner be steady, I'd sooner retain my clarity and dignity than just get into another one of these. So this is something we can, you know, you know, bear in mind in our daily life. That requires heedfulness, the point of checking, halting, stopping what's happening, asking the question. That's heedfulness, paying attention. Asking a question, this is the beginning of Dhamma Vijaya exploration. Do I need this? Is it important? Why is it important? Is that a true value? Or is it just my stubbornness? Mm -hmm. Is it my defilements for making this important or something more? (laughs) My stubbornness, my opinionatedness, or what's that? No, it's actually this is a real value here of what's truthful and honest for my welfare, for other people's welfare. So very helpful when you're checking 
not just what I want or what I think, but is this for other people as well? The three checkpoints for my welfare, welfare of others, and does this lead to Nibbana, to releasing? If you check those boxes, yes, then you follow that. So we are, so we can be bigger than ourselves. Bigger than the conditioning process that makes us into a me. You know, it's, you know, so you can do that on kind of fairly ordinary levels of, of letting go, of cooperating, of following rhythms and routines, and you don't want to do this. Wait a minute, where's that one coming from? <laughs> you know, is it? Check it out. This is all voluntary. Check it out. Is it? You know, so you just give yourself the pause. Check. Maybe you're right. Check it out. Is it supportive to myself and to others? Long-term welfare, realizing nibbana. Yeah, okay. It's difficult. We'll move through that. Breathe through it. So we want to keep meet these difficulties because it's in the difficult places, the slight burning and the discomfort. This is where the strengthening occurs. Every time you come through one of these wobbly patches, these tense patches, these you know indignation points. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute, check this one out. Yeah, <laughs> moving through. Training yourself. So, within the process, the ongoing process, that you're just building up a certain reference, and this ongoing reference is so important. We call mindfulness, bearing in mind the Dhamma, bearing in mind the aim, bearing in mind the possibility for clarity, for freedom. Bear it in mind. Be mindful of that. Do not let this be lost on you. Yeah. And those freedoms are like, you know, five seconds, one second, or a little bit freer than I was yesterday, a little bit bigger than I was ten years ago, a little bit less welded to my narrative. <laughs> and this is how it develops, isn't it? So bearing in mind, being mindful of the Dhamma, being mindful of, as you begin to really know the process, you're mindful of that process. And then, so that, the meditation object sits within that, that frame of reference. So you're really putting some, putting it in context, putting some, you know, fleshing it out. So it's not just the little thing we do for a few hours a day on a retreat. You know, it sits within something bigger. Then it's, so it's, it's integrating into how we live. Mm. So to bring, remember our practice, to bring to uh, light, to activate, to generate, to strengthen these enlightenment factors. The ones we can do Really, mindfulness, you can do that. You can pause, stop, that's heedfulness. You can select, 
that's wise attention, deep attention. Say, so wait a minute, this one. And then you can bear that in mind, be mindful. So just that in bringing, you know, where we even place mindfulness. You know, do you be mindful of, you know, a sports game or something? You can bear that in mind. A certain happy result if your team wins. Um, that's the end of that. So we're just pausing. What's really, you know, going to give me the best results, the long-term welfare in any situation? Just recognize we have the option to switch that off, turn this way, put that down, pick this up, step back from that, go forward on that, keeping that agility on your toes. Knowing that Mara can just, you know, kind of whap, give you a big whap and knock you off your feet completely. Then you only saw many Sikara, deep attention, what's, what's useful. It generally means you've got to just not leave attention as a kind of blank check. Anything can walk in on and claim payment. You know, not just like an open door that any old stuff can come in and claim. So, you know, you know, your attention is a precious thing. Whatever you give attention to will be energized by your attention. You know, there's power to it. Whatever you give attention to, that's going to absorb, that's going to gain attention. Right? You notice how, how many things are designed to grab our attention. You know, so Mara's genius, you know, brilliant stuff around to just get your eyes going, grab your attention on this, and you feel it's being sucked into it. Like, you know. And it, then it gets energized. So you've got a whole kind of society starting to give attention to certain themes, topics, and it gets empowered by that. You know, fashions, trends, uh, popular tastes suddenly become incredibly empowered and uh, capture everybody. Then they tweak it and you get a new one. But people kind of become rather like operated by these these forces so our attention is our right to vote and you vote on what you want to give your attention to remember you have that choice now as we practice Dhamma we're really recognizing you know we can come back into the body we can even close our eyes we can come back into breathing we can remember the our death a bit, you know, we can contemplate the parts of the body, the bones, the meat, the sinews, you can bring your attention to that, you can bring your attention to suffering of others, you know, instead of just, oh me, I'm so suffering so much, oh, for me, well, yeah, <laughs> let's get, you know, have a look at this one, <laughs> you got it bad, you know. And suddenly you come to that, because it's always when the me seems separate from everything, this is when it gets all silly and uh, petulant. So important, so self-important, my opinions and so forth.
So we actually wind into, when it gets like that, you include suddenly, you know, you realize you're living on this one little, tiny little speck of dust in the cosmos for the briefest flicker of the eyelid of Brahma. And somewhere in there, someone's saying, well, I'm important. (laughs) 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 Thank you, that. Not that important, really. What I think isn't that big a deal, really. What's important is that I'm with it, because in a way it is important, because it's it's all I got. But the important thing is not to be in it. Then it's just silly, isn't it, to take it so seriously? But to be with it, that is important. To be with it is to be attentive, to be mindful, to be holding it, to be, uh huh. You know, how do I? What's the right response to this? How do I be with this? How do I manage this? That is important. So our lives are both unimportant and important at the same time. You know, what do you give attention to? That's important. How do you hold it? So even when we're practicing you know, mindfulness of breathing, whatever, we always come to that checkpoint. Is this the time? Is this the right place? Is it, am I ready? Is it prepared? How's the body? You know, it's not a compulsion. You know, ready, steady, go. Everybody start breathing in and out. Boom. You know, you're finding your way and you've got to build up these uh, supports. Mindfulness is one you can do, you can set it up, you can place it, and you can keep sustaining it. So even that, you know, being a the quality of mindfulness, is, it sustains, it, it, it negates and it abolishes flickering, agitation, that thing, that mind just flickering from this attention disorder. You know. So it's been able to stay with something, and you say, well, it's okay. Let's stay with it for five seconds. Can you do ten? Can you come back and start again? Do five? I mean, I don't want to make this like some, you know, numbers game, but just recognizing, can you, can you extend that? How do you extend that? How do you lengthen that? Hmm? Take an interest in it. There's something we can definitely, you know, do, work on. You know, and it often it's supported by this uh, Dhamma Vijaya exploration, looking into handling, sampling, feeling Vitaka Vichara, pointing to, bringing the quality of something in the specific qualities. Is that right? Checking it out, touching it again, touching the body. Is that it? Is it all there? How is it? Checking it again. You know, and this is much slower than I'm saying, saying it. Sometimes it's quicker than that, but a lot of times it's much slower. It's just a gentle sensing feeling. Is that really there? How is that? Steadying it until the breathing will come to you. You explore what's happening in the shoulders, the throat, the midriff, the diaphragm, the sides of the body, even the eyes, things you don't think are connected to breathing. 
and your eye, forehead is furrowed or tight. Because when the body gets the sign, the signal, as it often does carry the signal of, of tension, of contraction, anywhere where it's still carrying that signal will affect the breathing. And naturally, you know, know, daily life, there's a lot of signals that are very jumpy and disconnecting and agitating and, you know, things that make you want to shut off. So just kind of coming out of that on retreat to begin to bring your head back onto your shoulders, bring your eyes back into your head, you know, connect to the whole body feel a complete breath and feel the body as a consistent unit and staying with that for a morning you know, for an afternoon, for a morning and an afternoon from the time you wake up and you wake up and you kind of take a few breaths and you begin to bring it together and take a wash, bring it together move around a little bit let it come into a unity so you're preparing the ground is something we can definitely do. Mm-hmm. And the, the sign of it is that energy comes. Energy isn't something you can do exactly. It's something that has to arise through these other factors. It's like, you know, if you have uh, want to create a fire, you just got wood, and you just start keep rubbing the wood, two pieces of wood together, the fire will start. You know, you can't keep kindling it, keep kindling it, and you blow it and you fan it, and then this f- fire starts. Well, it's rather like vitaka vichara. It's like um, dhamma vijaya. It's like application. It's like that. And you do, and then whatever energy is aroused, and you bring that back into generating a bit more. Mm-hmm. So it's like you get some energy, and you start. Oh, now I feel a little more positive, encouraged. Let's do this. You work on it. It's always, but this sense of energizing, and energy is the is the prerequisite for effort. You've got no the energy isn't there, and you've got to think, make effort, make effort, make effort. It's just like pumping your foot on the gas pedal, but there's no no gas in the tank, and it's grinding the system. <laughs> so you've got to get the energy there. And this is a very loving, patient, careful coaching. You know, stand up, breathe in, breathe out. You know, it's actually a mothering, you could say, mothering, fathering, parenting experience. So even these, you know, great forest teachers they would spend time using their their faith as an energy generator. So they'd sit. And start to recite suttas, recollect the Buddha, make offerings to the shrine. They're sitting in a cave, even, you know, just make offerings, bring the Buddha to mind, bring the teachers to mind, you know, so inspire the mind, bring up energy through faith, through the sense of appreciation and respect, and using that, sadda, virya, that connection, confidence, faith, giving rise to energy, heart energy, mm-hmm. praising. The energy of praising, of lifting, of devotion. How that affects us. We can do enormous things with that. 
bringing it into the body. So these two feeding into each other, the heart energy of faith, the body energy, waking it up, and then putting, bringing them back to, to meet, merge, and support each other. So that, that energy faculty becomes more strong and assured. So this is the bits that we can, we can do. The rest of it is what we steer through. Steering through. So as the energy begins to develop, it can go, it can go wild. So it's to kind of rush off into aims and objectives, images and perceptions, you know, samadhi demons. So as I am and was saying, you know, the Mara, Mara takes many forms. There are specifically five five forms that are acknowledged in the com- in the tradition, commentaries or something. You know, Mara as death, obviously. Mara as the defilements, again obviously. And Mara as the aggregates. We believe in get intoxicated by consciousness, by feelings, by perceptions, draws you in. Mm. Mara as the the Devaputta, which is Mara as the the charming deity, mm. glorious deity of the Paranimitta Vasavati, which is a kind of Devaloka. Mara is the heavenly prince. You know, a sense of glory. So we get intoxicated with that and we start to get a touch of that lifting into the Devaloka. Feeling bright, feeling happy, you know, feeling we're leaving the body and getting out there. And kind of glory of that. This is where people lose it in rapture and even in samadhi when the samadhi is not guided properly. So, but you know, so you've got to first to get the guiding. You've got to get some pretty clear hands. Really, don't really believe in anything. They're they're wise hands. You know, it's okay. It's like this, but there's like a wise parent. Okay, you you love you you care for, but you're not going to believe in, you know, the fantasies of the infant. Yes, dear. Okay, very nice. Good. <laughs> it's time for a little walk now. Let's <laughs> get wise. Get a little bit kind of intoxicated and you know puffed up there. Yes, very good. Yes, you're enlightened. Very good. Let's go for a little walk. <laughs> Uh, it's these. So, really, a lot of the time, these um, in the forest tradition, in particular, they just give you a lot. They wouldn't let people go there at all. They just keep grounding, grounding, grounding. It doesn't matter if you spend 15 years just coming back to plodding up and down the walking path. It won't won't waste your time because you, all the time you're building up the things you can build up, which is mindfulness, appropriate attention, yeah. Staying with it longer and longer and longer, that mindfulness becomes something that's so ingrained, you know, 
established as you've got like a firm body of mindfulness. You know, a mind that can explore and get to the point with everything. And then, you, then the testing comes, you know. Things get difficult. Things get hot. Things get cold. Food runs out. Okay, you, what are you going to do now? Get fed up, disappointed, disillusioned, run away. Yeah, or just, you know, what are you here for? So, you know, it's like you come in, they spar and give you a few little jabs, see if you can, can, can be with that. As uh, I was saying yesterday, you know, the, the, the royal elephant. You give a few, you know, you shout at it a bit, see if it panics. So you're just learning to, to hold your ground into, in mindfulness. And the real ground is actually, you know, using the body as a basis to build it up. Because the, ba- the body gives us the basis of here. Now, mindfulness of body is, is mindfulness of body, right? So we're, we're mindful based in it. But mindfulness is not the body. It's, you can f- but within this bodily experience, with its sensations and perceptions and pains and whatever, you know, underneath that or with that, there's always a sense of here, location. And that's the bit to keep coming back to. Because of course your body gets sick, and you get pain. I can't practice pain, can't practice, body doesn't work, can't practice. Hmm. You know, they say it, you know, Ajahn Charles Monastery, well, what are you going to practice when you're sick and dying then? <laughs> You know, learn while what's there, you can practice being here with it. And not let the mind run out into self-pity, restlessness, doubt, agitation. You know, those are unskillful as you just bring it back to here, here, here. Mm-hmm. Nobody wishes any distress on anyone, but it does happen, doesn't it? So then we're trying to build up something to take us through the difficult periods. This, this body is rented, you know, and it breaks down. At any time. So you don't want to hang on to the feeling of it, or the, you know, when the energy is nice and strong and gathered in your body, use it, make use of it, be grateful while it's still here. You know, where you can still feel the fullness of your breathing. Really use it, use it to build up the mindfulness, the ability to bear something in mind. Then you can move beyond it. It doesn't mean space out. It means when the body falls away, you're still here. That's the possibility. This is different from leaving the body, you know, from skipping out of the body into heaven realms or distractions or worry or agitation, the various hell realms we visit. This isn't skipping out from the body, it's staying here and then the body subsides, you know, it passes. In our death time, this is what can happen. It does happen, the body subsides, it passes. But then the here is then let free. 
you know, people who cultivate, you can kind of, you can begin to sense that process. The struggling, you know, and something is starting to, you know, recognize, come to terms with that. And there's a sense of release. You know, finally able to disengage, to, to let the body subside. But the here stays. Presence stays. Because there's nowhere for it to go. It hasn't gone into feeling. It hasn't gone into states of mind. It hasn't gone into perceptions and moods. It hasn't gone into rights and wrongs. Because we've trained ourselves not to go into those. Then, when that passes, you know, there's, this is the deathless. Everything else passes. And training ourselves in this way, building it up, sustaining with, through the flows and fluxes of feeling and impression and feeling tired, feeling strong, feeling this and that and the other, staying with it. This is what we can do. And when we can do that, you know, what we can do, then the rest of it will come in to place in its appropriate time. And it's really, you know, when when one's mind, heart clarifies to really sensing that. This is why we do bear death in mind many times. Just because it's something like, you know, suddenly putting cool water on the fever. You think, gee, what am I getting caught up with that one for? You know, suddenly your mind wises up, it pulls back. This is the, the effect, it's not a, just to make us miserable, but to freshen us up. And yeah, what am I making a big deal out of that for? There's a kind of withdrawal. And you feel that sense of steady and upright again. And using this uh, body energy to 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 strengthen that. And the body energy is like another parent for the heart. First of all, the heart is very young, very, um, with all the qualities of youth. It's energy, it's vigor, but it's not that wise, really. It's careless, it's reckless, like we are when we're young, and you're parenting it, you know, and then the body holds it like a mother holds the baby in, its, in her body, parenting it, giving it strength, you know, and the time comes when you've actually got to let the heart comes forth and the heart begins to support the body <laughs> you know the child grows up and it starts to look after you <laughs> yeah and then when the body passes away the heart doesn't reject it it's just like it's oh, now it's, that's that that that's finished that's completed the lifespan is completed did what we were here for we did our da da number of years 
in this transit, we learnt what we had to learn. Heart got strengthened. It got made wiser. It grew up, grew up some anyway. <laughs> and now, move on. You know, that's that's the deal. energy and then the quality of energy as it becomes fuller and you know recognizing our all of us have I think many of you stressful lives where your energy is really drawn out and quite exhausted and so forth giving yourself time to regenerate it doesn't just all come flashing back in one day you know feel a little bit hit the wall on the first day start scraping yourself off the floor on the second day you know, standing upright, day three, finding your feet, and still there's these wonky times when it goes all saggy, pulling it off again, and just working with that, with your pucker, the residues. That's just, that's the fact, isn't it? And then, then the energy is to deal with the hindrances. So the, the quality of you know, appropriate rapture or wise rapture is associated with the, the dwindling and the starving and the removal of the hindrances. So with withdrawing energy from those hindrance forms. And they become, what happens to energy when it's withdrawn from the hindrances and held with mindfulness is it forms into a buoyant, subtle form. You know, it's got pleasure associated with it. And we might say the hindrances are of various flavors. You have the ones that, like the, the heavy dulling, can't be, which isn't just the body energy, it's also a quality of mind. You see, the hindrances are mental, not physical. So the hindrance of dullness is really a can't be bothered, like an indolent feeling. I feel a bit, don't feel so good, so I can't be bothered. Yeah. Or I do feel good, so I can't be bothered. <laughs> Or I might not feel good in the future, so I might be bothered. <laughs> I can't be bothered. <laughs> this might take some work, so I can't be bothered. <laughs> this did take some work, so I can't be bothered now. <laughs> Nobody else is doing it, so I can't be bothered. <laughs> you know, it's that, can't be bothered. So then you rise up, and you can be bothered like you just clean the bathroom. <laughs> Scrupulously, as if your life depended on it. <laughs> be bothered. <laughs> Not in some kind of obsessive way, but just that applying, you're realizing, be mindful. If you're doing something, do it fully, do it thoroughly, do it with good heart. And it's checking this psychological thing. If it's not interesting, I'm not going to be bothered. It's not immediately gratifying, I'm not going to be bothered. <laughs> Meditation is very rarely immediately gratifying. If it is, it's probably not the right meditation. You've got to be bothered. You've got to have some oomph, you know. So rising up, even rising up when we feel tired, rising into the sensations in the skin, the puckering around the eyes, body feeling like jelly, wriggling jelly, looking such an idiot falling apart on the on the in public 
Never mind, everybody else is falling apart. Get on with it. <laughs> you know, somewhere in here, just bringing the heart back, opening up, finding the space, grounding, falling apart, starting again. You know, that never, never giving up on oneself. It's not a wild panic. It's a careful custodianship. You know, if you have your toddler, you know, starting to walk, falls over, you don't say, ah, kid can't make it. <laughs> And we'll get angry, start slapping it around. <laughs> Just get behind, give them a little bit of, you know, come on, we love you, come on. It's just a little bit rising, it falls over again, no one, never mind, try again. You know, go down for five, come back up again. <laughs> so that, you know, working with that. And then when it's this, this, this kind of sucking down, being sucked down the other one, of course, the restless rushing out, the mad dog rushing out, running round and round in circles, chasing bones, chasing rabbits, chasing butterflies, chasing his tail, <laughs> every which way, you know, just giving enough room to run around in. Big meadow, he can run around, run around, it's contemplate running around as not the topics, which is the energy of it, and running around, running around. Standing, contemplating just the energy of that moving form. Let's see if you get it to run around your body. Yeah, run down to you. It doesn't have to stay long. It's a wild dog. So you go, can you just touch my toe, a knee? Yeah, go out, come back. Just playing it, playing it, playing it. And there's always this quality of relationship is so important. We relate to. We don't give up on. And the relationship is already just the fact of relationship is compassion. You don't have to kind of add more, really, you can, but the very nature of bringing in, relating to, accepting, working with, that is already compassionate. And feeling the quality of that. And how we are with each other can often be a lot more allowing and you know, spacious and accepting other people's differences and working with one's own irregularities in this way. Restlessness and dullness, and these two pairs, and sometimes they just switch from one to the other. So you've got to have your mindfulness has got to be sharp to flex with it. Explore. This is somewhere where there is a ground that you can touch. You can come home to. It's clearer, stronger. It's just even one word that you can bring up as your ground that you can just hold to, hold to, keep coming back to. One image, one sound, one feeling, one sensation. Just come back to, come back to, come and shape it up. Make that there. Mm. Of course, a lot of our hindrances are more psychologically complex. The ill will, you know, extremely complex narratives of ill will towards oneself, towards others, critical fault-finding mind. You know, it doesn't even seem like it's just being factual, telling you the straight truth of what useless you are. 
This isn't finding fault, this is just being honest. <laughs> Where's the relationship in that? Who's the honest one? You know, who's the one who's telling you that? Is this the kind of person you want to go on a camping holiday with? So we look into the face of the mind, I call it looking at the face of the mind. You know, the mind comes out with these strings of words, who's saying them? Look in the face of the mind, the sour face of, you know, they do this, stupid twit, come here disgraced to the sun, go, not as good as so and so. And then, well, I've had enough with you, what about, I'm going to go at her, look at her, da 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 da, disgrace. <laughs> Look at him, another one is a disgrace. <laughs> you think he is. You know, somebody's sitting well, but he thinks a lot of himself, doesn't he? <laughs> so <laughs> you can just wipe out the whole assembly one at a time. <laughs> then you turn it, isn't it? It seems true in the time. And then you kind of turn it round. What's the face look like? Who's saying that? It's kind of you know, sour, miserable face. Oh dear, oh dear. You suffer, don't you? You know, it's kind of realizing this is this is the it's our own sadness kind of turning itself outward. It's the sadness and the the unrealized, you know, the poverty of our mind is turning itself out with to find fault with everything else. You need to see that face, you know, relate to it, you feel a sense of, you know, compassion for that. For the ill will, the inner tyrant, the critic. But you don't give them fresh ammunition. <laughs> you keep turning it back, turning it back. Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? And then the quality of relationship and kindness, bearing with it, one's inability to be forgiving, you know, difficult that can be, just looking into the face of that, openly, just, just bearing with it, something will then something sooner or later is going to, going to give. And often you find with the old world underneath it is the sadness, the frustration, disappointment. And then oh, yeah, now it's starting to melt from the hardness into something that's just a bit more softer. Mm-hmm. Craving, passion, mm-hmm. you know, the mind, the gaping mouth of the mind, and to gobble something up, drooling tongue, and reaching out to have something to feed on. Sights, sounds, thoughts, memories, images, impressions, fantasies, drooling away, you know, again, you realize, well, you know, something says, come on, this is stupid, you know, it's, you, I don't, it doesn't go anywhere. That's your first thing. 
being a bit reasonable. <laughs> and then if it doesn't follow reason, you turn it turn it around. How, how, how does this feel? How do you look now? That kind of leaning over. How does that look? How does that feel? Yeah, pathetic, really. So, like a hungry dog. But this isn't, you know, isn't condemning, because condemning doesn't, if it worked, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It just freezes things, so we just hold that with that sense of equanimity and, okay, it's like this now. She's hungry, she's needy, she's desperate, she wants. Mm. See, and can that relationship itself, doesn't that bring up something comes out of that that's better than all our self strategies? You know, something that really is kindly in an unforced way. Doubt, another speculation. Is it this? Is it that? Havering, wavering. Should I be this? I, well, maybe I could try this for a while, but then what about that? So this one um, hindrance, a challenging one, because it's generally quite reasonable. Says this in the book. It's not like that here. It says this in the book. It's not like that here. Therefore, it's a, you know, it goes somewhere. It's more like what it is in the book. <laughs> well, you want to live in a book? Here's a book. <laughs> Open the book up and sit on that book. <laughs> You got it, you know. Who's going to feed you? <laughs> you know? Where are you going to live? You know? Where have we lived as well? You know, I've lived with a really good teacher, right teacher. This isn't the right one. <laughs> right situation, this isn't the right one. Because it should be, you know, where I feel comfortable, listened to, attended, so forth. So this is kind of doubting. Doubting speculation and the reasonable standards, you know. Say, if the teachers do they do they do they keep precepts? Yeah, that's important. Are they going to violate you, abuse you, maybe scold you? But are they actually going to, you know, break precepts with you, teacher? Do they know what they're talking about? You know, are they? Do they look like they're, you know, with themselves, grounded? That's the important thing, really. A teacher and a teaching that you can manage. There's something that touches you. It doesn't touch you, it doesn't arouse faith, then, okay, well, somewhere where again that little spark of faith is aroused, and then you've got to keep it going, keep fanning it. Because sooner or later that's going to meet, you know, the conditioned world where you know, people make mistakes, things go wrong, da 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 da. You know? 
this is uh, then the doubt will start again. Speculative doubt. And it strings out these very uh, restless narratives, adding things up. This and that and this and that and this and that and that and that. Yeah. But on the other hand, that and that and this and that and that and that and that. Yeah. But on the other hand, <laughs> da, 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 it says this and that and that. <laughs> Anything to kind of contemplate this feeling of your head buzzing around and your heart swinging from this to that and this to that. You know, basically, you don't know. <laughs> and you're not going to know <laughs> through following this. This system does not take you to assurance, confidence, groundedness. It doesn't do it, does it? Mm. Thought doesn't take you to there. It doesn't take you to stability. Only thing that takes your stability is body, here, grounded. Can you do it? Hmm? That's the only thing that gives you the stability. Thought gives you points. You know, you can point to this, you can point to that, and you can point to this, you can point to that. It does that. Gives you something to refer to. But it's a moving thing, it doesn't give you the stability. What gives you groundedness is your body. Mm. You come into that. And then your heart's got something to sit in, to rest in, to, to find refuge in, and then it begins to, you know, come up. It's not going to come up. The heart isn't going to wake up. It's going to come out till it's got somewhere to sit. This is the parent, the body. So when the heart finds its parent, starts to open its eyes and look up. Otherwise it's just a thing tossed around by thought, which can't parent the heart. So when we get the, the doubting, then is it a reasonable doubt? Have you got, you know, reasons that you could commit to. You know, these aren't about topics, these are about deep-seated values. Topics are always circumstantial, you know. Places untidy, da-da-da-da-da, but wait a minute. The value may be, you know, is there thoroughness of attention? Am I putting thorough attention to what's being done here? That's something I can do, work on. So just you don't want to take your lead too much from situations around you, circumstances and people. They cannot they can be reminders and guides, but your refuge is not in that. Can't be in that. So it's the uh and doubt is a difficult one because there are reasons, there are things to check out. Doubt is not irrelevant. There are things to check out, but just to know what we're checking in with. Sila. Morality. Mm. Where the faith is aroused. You begin the rising of faith. It's very important. Mm. Whether you can encourage to be mindful. 
to, to be present, or whether you're asked to believe in fantasies and, you know, something in the future. And these are important to get that. If that's being offered, then that's good enough, a start anyway, in order to use that just to get some perspective on the thinking, doubting mind. And so we use that till, you know, for the first major realization is the freedom from doubt. This is a stream entrance, not affected by a doubt. So there's always this quality of happiness in such a person. There's always a kind of buoyant quality in that person, in that being, just because they're free of this thing. Hmm? They know where to go. And when Ajahn Sumedha went to see Ajahn Kao, who was this famous old forest master, was about, he's on his deathbed, at the time of this skinny little figure, and lying there on the, on the mosquito net, and he's kind of lying there, and Ajahn Sumedha came to kind of pay respects, and he looked in his, and poor Kao opened his eyes with bright eyes, and he could kind of look, and then he, Come closer. So, you know, encouraging Ajahn Sumedha to come closer. He could hear him. He comes closer. He says, and he says "You need, you need," which means live here, live here. <laughs> it was his last kind of thing. It was simple, isn't it? But the, the you know, you can see this person's this body on its last, last leg of the journey. You know, all all there is to say, live here, live here. <laughs> you know, and the, the brightness of the eyes, telling you that's that's the truth. That that's the truth. And then this form, this losing its flesh and vitality, just subsiding, slipping away. And then here, here, stay here. <laughs> you know. And really this encouragement, you know, backing it up with the textures of the body and the breathing while we still have it. So you've got something you can kind of, because here is a difficult thing to get, you know, reference to, isn't it? So you're using this kind of form as something to flag so you can stay with it as it moves and changes. You know, you don't get caught in its fluxes and feelings. You're able to stay with it as it moves and changes and subsides and sub- disappears and comes back again. You're staying there, here, 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 here. So that when it all slides away, you're not left hanging on to the debris. <laughs> yeah. So really build, building it up. Yeah. Mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of body, walking just staying with walking, you know, just to experience staying with, you know, no matter what, just to experience that, whatever the sensations are, just to get the full experience of this is, just know what it feels like, I am staying with, (laughs) 
you know, not just kind of rigid, but I'm staying in contact, in, in relationship with this as it goes through its stuff, as it walks, as it sits, as it breathes, as it whatever, staying with it. And bringing this, this is what we can do. If we do this skillfully, sustainably, the other factors start to line up around that, that basis of sati, mindfulness, exploration, energy, and then start to build up around that. So, anyone? <coughs> and uh, so this morning, let's uh, just take a few moments, and uh, as we could stand for a few moments, just let things settle, and then as we did yesterday, from 10 o'clock till 11.15, mm, so some walking period, so you're taking 45 minutes for that, you know, and come back for another sitting, so bell ringer if you're looking at, we're leaving at 10, so ring the bell about 10.40 or something, so giving people a good time to walk and then come back and sit and, you know, absorb experience and I'll be uh, the two teachers will be seeing the respective intergroup interview groups when we when we uh, break for the walking meditation <clears throat>